If you have your Bibles uh, this morning, folks, I'd like for you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John, chapter 20. And I'm going to reflect with this Easter message on a reality that is really true for all of us if we know Jesus Christ. But it's also true for those who do not know Jesus Christ, who do not believe, and the choice that they make not to believe. So we're going to talk today from God's Word about the choice to believe. The choice to believe. And so with that, I kind of need to talk with you for a moment about the reality of doubt, especially when it comes to the whole issue of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reality of doubt and this whole issue concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've got a couple thoughts I want to share with you here. First of all, I want to talk to those of you who believe. For believers, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real. Now, what do I mean by that it's real? Well, I think you and I realize that when we gather together on Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, really, we're not talking about something that's just an abstract belief. You know that Jesus Christ is real and that he is alive because of his ministry to your lives right now. Did you hear what I said? It's because of Jesus and how he ministers to you right now. What do you mean how he ministers to me, George? Well, I want you to think about it. He is ministering to you right now, even in the midst of this crisis, because when you are in the midst of prayer, praying about that, he gives you peace. He gives you peace. He interacts with you throughout the day, guiding you through his spirit into what you need to do. He's answering prayer. He's forgiven you your sins. Jesus is alive. And so for you and I as believers, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real. So this has meaning for us. This has purpose for us. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is real. But we're talking about the reality of doubt. But there is also... A large group of people, more than believers, who don't see this. In fact, that's my next point. However, many people cannot bring themselves to believe. They can't bring themselves to believe. In fact, they may even come to an Easter service when things were normal, but they still don't believe. But their reasons for coming has nothing to do with their belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They're coming because family is there. But in their heart of hearts, they can't bring themselves to believe that Jesus Christ is alive, especially after having suffered a brutal death on a Roman cross. How is that possible? Things like that don't make sense. They're not real. Science doesn't allow for that. And so there are many, many people who cannot bring themselves to believe in the resurrection. So that brings us now to John chapter 20. And what we're going to see, folks, is this is not a new issue. This actually existed from the very beginning with the resurrection 
and it existed right within the 12 apostles. There was one, Thomas, who struggled with the very same thing. And we're going to look at the account that John gives us concerning this interaction with Jesus and Thomas. That's why a lot of folks call him Doubting Thomas. I think that's a little harsh because Thomas actually is real. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. So let's look at this together. We're going to look at John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Look at what the apostle records. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of his nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach, reach your finger here, look at my hands, and reach your hand here, put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me and have believed, blessed are those who believe and have, who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that believing you may have life in his name. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this passage and truly divide it into two sections. We're going to focus for the first part on Thomas's struggle. And what you're going to see, it's not abnormal that he struggles the way he did. We can't really give him a hard time. You and I might actually be in the same position as he if we were in his shoes. So we're going to see Thomas's struggle. And with that, folks, it'll help you to understand those who can't bring themselves to believe in the resurrection. And then what we're going to see is that Jesus is basically issuing a call to choose. A call to choose. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. So let's focus, first of all, on verses 24 and 25. 24 and 25. Again, listen to what John says. Now Thomas called the twin. All right, so Thomas obviously had a twin sibling. It's not saying whether it was identical or fraternal, but the fact is, is he had a twin. He was called one of the twins. Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. So here's the setting. Jesus made his appearance to the disciples after his resurrection in the upper room. But the reality was of all the disciples who were there, Judas, of course, wasn't there because he had hung himself. But Thomas wasn't also there for whatever reason. 
So Jesus interacts with them. Listen to verse 25. The other disciples therefore said to him, that's Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This is a natural reaction. So I've got two things I want to show, show you here. Two things. Number one, it seemed impossible in light of the facts he knew as he knew them. It seemed impossible in light of the facts as he knew, knew them. All right, so for Thomas, here's the reality. For Thomas, Jesus is dead. And folks, he didn't just die in his sleep. Jesus was brutalized for several days, being captured by the Jewish authorities, handed over to the Romans, who then scourged him almost to the point of death, then crucifying him on the cross. He dies on the cross. To ensure that he's dead, he has a spear thrust into his side. Those are the facts. And he's buried. And it's on the third day later, which at this point would be after three days. So therefore, the whole reality of the natural facts of things, it's virtually impossible for anyone to be alive, let alone come back from the dead. So for Thomas, it seems impossible that God could do this in light of the facts as he knew them. And it's just I want you to think about that for a moment. When we communicate the reality of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that he is alive, because folks, that's the gospel. The gospel isn't praying a prayer so you can get saved. The gospel is the good news that Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, he will forgive your sins if you will put your trust in him. That's the gospel. So when you present the gospel and people aren't grasping the reality that Jesus is alive, you can understand why. Because if they know anything about the story, that just seems virtually impossible to him to them that basically Jesus would be alive. That's impossible. Thomas is having the same struggle. And he was a follower, an intimate follower, an apostle, a disciple of Jesus. Here's the second thing. He wanted to experience the truth himself in order to believe. He wanted to experience the truth himself. That's why he says, unless I can see the prints in his hands, unless I could touch them, unless I could see that where that spear thrust into his side, unless I can touch it, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. Folks, that's a natural reaction. And it's a reaction, to be very honest with you, that I myself have heard many, many times from people. I've had them tell me, I just can't see it. I just can't see it. And it's not that they're being disingenuous. The reality is, listen to me, the reason why they just can't see it is because it doesn't make any sense to them. 
it's because it doesn't, listen to me, it doesn't have an experience that they have experienced themselves. They need to have some sort of reality of the truth in their lives. They can't see it. And when they say that, listen, when they say that, they're actually saying what the scripture says. What do you mean what the scripture says? Well, think about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, for our gospel is not veiled. The story of Jesus rising from the dead is not veiled. Why can't they see it? Well, he tells you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this world has blinded their eyes to the truth. They can't see it. And so here he is, he's basically saying he wanted to experience the truth himself. This is Thomas's struggle. And I'm going to be honest with you, as I, as I get older, I realize that when we think about our unsaved family and friends, people that we meet who don't want to believe, this is a genuine struggle. They just can't see it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to see it. They can't see it because it's not real to them. Now, it's interesting to me, though, Jesus doesn't leave Thomas hanging. In fact, look with me at verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Peace to you. I just want to point out several things to you as we talk about the call to choose. The call to choose. Here's the first one. Jesus did not immediately respond to his skepticism. Jesus did not immediately respond to his skepticism. You know, often, maybe it's me, you know, I've been reading this passage many times over the last 35 years of following Jesus. And the reality is, it just struck me that you have Thomas saying, oh, I, if I see his hands, then I'll believe. And then you kind of go on and you miss a key fact here. It kind of goes on and shows Jesus appearing to him. But look at verse 26. It makes a, an especially interesting point. It says, after eight days. That's more than a week. So if you think about it, verse 24 and 25, Thomas is expressing his doubt, saying, unless I see it myself, I'm not going to believe. It's eight days later that Jesus shows up again. So he's got eight days to wrestle here. So I want you to notice the Lord just didn't decide, well, hey, I'm going to show up and make sure he knows that I'm alive. No, no. Jesus showed up eight days later. So when you talk about people who are saying, unless I see it, we should be praying, Lord, make yourself real to them. But God doesn't necessarily have to show up in their lives. That's the reality that I see here. That's the Because there's something else that's bigger here. Something else that's bigger here. Look at verse look at verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, look at my hands, reach your hand here, put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, 
but believing. Here's the second point that I want you to see, folks. The issue is not having proof, but rather the choice to believe or not. The issue is not having proof, but the choice to believe or not. Do you, do you understand? The issue isn't having proof. That's not, the, that's not the issue here. The issue is whether you choose to believe that it's real or not. That's really what it comes down to. So for instance, all right, let me give you an example of what we're talking about. Back in December, we heard of a virus that took hold in Asia. As it took hold in Asia, it began to spread from there. We're getting into February, January, February. It begins to spread into Europe. Then the middle of March, it's here with us. We saw it gradually coming, but then all of a sudden we've got this national emergency. We're shut down. We're not able to go places that we need to be. And we know that there is this virus that can come and that can wreak devastation on us. Now, the problem is, for most of us, including myself, we don't personally know anybody who has this virus. We don't personally see the effects of this virus. I'm not saying that it isn't taking place. I'm not a skeptic. But the reality is we're told that this is wrecking havoc. We are seeing the reports of the people who are dying. But for most of us, you have no personal experience with this, but you choose to believe. That's why you're isolating yourself. That's why you're following the government directives. That's why we're not meeting here on Sunday morning for Easter. You choose to believe even though you don't have proof. You choose to believe the report of others who have the first-hand experience. See, that's the issue here. The issue isn't that you don't have enough proof that Jesus is alive. You choose not to believe it because those who communicate the truth, they have the first-hand experience that Jesus is alive. Do you understand? The issue is not having the proof, but rather the choice to believe or not. That's what the issue is. That's why Jesus says, look at what he says in verse 27. He says, do not be unbelieving, but believing. You need to choose. You need to choose whether to believe or not. See, here's the thing I want you to understand too as well, what we're seeing here. Belief that saves is an act of faith. See, there's different types of belief. You, you'll meet people all the time that'll tell you, I believe in Jesus, but that doesn't affect their lives because that's really not faith. You could believe something, I believe two plus two is four, but that doesn't really change my, my perception of it. You could tell me that vegetables are good and I can believe that, but that doesn't really change the fact that I don't eat them even though I know that they're good. The issue is faith, trust. Belief that saves, belief that brings you to the point of salvation is an act of faith. It's an act of reaching out. It's a choice to believe that Jesus is alive and to trust it. That's what's going on here. In fact, that's what Jesus is saying here. He says in verse 29, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who put their trust in, who have faith in, even though they haven't seen the firsthand experience. That's what he's saying here. Now here's the final thing I want you to see. We see it in verses 30 and 31. Proof that Jesus is alive surrounds us. Proof that Jesus is alive surrounds us. We, we don't really, we kind of take it for granted in the church, but the reality is the proof that Jesus is alive is here every week. Every week when we're meeting together as a church family. What do you mean? When we're here every week, you hear people testifying, God answered my prayer. God provided for me. God gave me victory over this addiction. God gave me, brought reconciliation to my family. I saw Jesus as he answered this in my life. We have testimony all around us, all of the time. The proof is there that Jesus is alive and it surrounds us. In fact, that's the point that's being made here in verse 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The ultimate testimony of Jesus that he is alive, that surrounds us, is his word passed down through generations telling us that Jesus is alive, that he rose again on the third day, which is why we're celebrating Easter even now. Say, okay, George, so it's really up to us. Yeah, it's up to us if you're an unbeliever and you don't believe. It's up to you to make that decision to believe or not. But even if you are here and you call on the name of Jesus, it's really up to you whether you choose to live according to the way he wants you to live. You have a choice to make. Because sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, for believers, Easter becomes abstract. The reality of Easter becomes surreal, something we take for granted. But we have to choose to live by faith. So, Here's what I want you to wrestle with. I got two things I want you to wrestle with as we close our time today, okay? Two things. Here's the first one. Are you struggling with believing that Jesus is alive today? Are you struggling? Now, that can be said for sure of somebody who's not a believer, and maybe you're here watching this today and listening, and you're not a believer. I'm going to express this to you. We understand. But... You have to wrestle with this. And so you're struggling. We understand that. But maybe you're here and you are a believer and this crisis has caused some doubt in your life. And I'll just be honest with you. You're struggling with whether or not Jesus is alive. It's very possible. You could be a believer or an unbeliever. All of you are struggling. I understand that. But you've got to answer that question yourself. Are you struggling with believing? It's normal. It's not abnormal, it's normal. You're not weird, it's normal. We understand, which then brings me to my second point. It always comes down to your choice to believe or not. And we're not talking about some abstract, 
believe something that's virtually not impossible, a blind faith type of issue. What we're talking about is the reality is there. You have to choose to believe. So let me close you with this little story. This is April 2020. We're getting ready to enter into the third week. And let me just express to you that this is a very special week. It's not just special to me because of Easter. But it's special to me because of the reality of Easter in my life. 1985, I was a freshman engineering student at the University of South Carolina. I had been invited to a Bible study that took place in the Student Union building there on the campus of the University of South Carolina in Columbia. And I went that evening to a group. The group was called Real Life Ministries. And I listened to the testimonies that were being shared by college students who were believers in Jesus Christ. I listened to a challenge about what it meant to live for Christ that night. And I was struck because all around me, I, can I say that? I realize it now. I was seeing the reality that Jesus was alive in the lives of the people around me. I was curious about this Jesus. I had heard about him lived growing up in the South. You hear about Jesus all the time in the culture, the Southern culture. And so I asked the missionary with real life, where can I find some more information? And they said to me that day, go read the Gospel of John in the Bible. I went home that evening, asked my dad, do we have a Bible in the house? He gave me a Bible. I went to my room and I read the entire Gospel of John that evening. And when I read about Jesus and the testimony of what Jesus did, something opened up in my heart and my mind. And that evening, I chose to believe. 35 years ago this week, I chose to believe that Jesus is alive and I gave my life to him by my bed that night. And let me tell you, folks, 35 years later, I do not regret that decision. My life has completely changed because of it. Because I chose to believe. You have to choose to believe or not. It's there all around you. You have to decide, is Jesus real? That's what we're celebrating today, folks. The resurrection of Jesus. He is alive and he's calling to you. My prayer is that you would respond to his call. Let me pray for you.